Hi, and welcome back to Transvalx. It's uh, another gorgeous week. Uh, last week, we talked, well, we began our conversation about healthcare. And um, Jenny said to me, will I have the attention span to focus on healthcare again? So, <laughs> so we're going to talk about frogs. To, no, no, we're not. We're going to talk about healthcare. But first of all, let me welcome my extremely wonderful colleague, Jenny Harvey, sitting in front of me looking resplendent with pink earphones. How that devil are you today Jen? I'm I'm great Jill how, how are you and it's great that it's a bit warmer this week than last week I was moaning about the weather in Stoke last week and it's lovely today it is are they pink or orange I can't really tell they're sort of um yeah they're sort of a orangey pink far too expensive for what they're worth um really? Apple headphones Ooh. they're great they're really good but they're not worth what I pay for them <laughs> I, I've always wondered about those because uh, I've got tinnitus, so I can't. I don't like the uh, the headphones that are right over your ears. So I use these little inserty type things. Oh, I, 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 open ear earphones. This has got some transparency. I can't do closed ear. Over oh. ear, ear, I get obsessed with earphones. I spent the last yeah. two years buying far too many because you want to hear the environment as well, or to hear everything else. Because otherwise, it becomes too much in your head. Yes. Well, years ago, I was, uh, had a, an occupation that involved loud, loud noises. And so I've been gifted with tinnitus. So at the moment, Ooh, it's ooh. absolutely rampaging. I don't know what's going on today. Dog. It must be because I'm tired, I think. Something, yeah. something else to add to the list of joyful experiences to, uh, when you, as you get a little bit older. <laughs> is, it the, is, it the, is it the Geordie accent that's giving you the tinnitus? Is that what it is? Listening Ooh, all the... Honestly, honestly. <laughs> I'm just trying to people. find a way of, of slowly... Uh, um, losing our listen listenership. Um, Listen, the who's north not downwards. Yeah, our <laughs> one listener in the northeast. Oh <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Well, anyway, let's let's chat. So last week we sort of touched on or began the conversation around um, sort of healthcare. We talked a little bit about where GPs work, and um, you know we've had some comments back around this idea that people have had some experiences, like we talked about. Some people have had some very good experiences. Mm. Um, some people have said that actually they've been treated brilliantly on the non-trans side and not so well on the trans side and vice versa and it just strikes me that there is um there's so much expertise so much experience out there and with an organization as big as the nhs or with doctors it's going to be extraordinarily difficult to get a real view of what healthcare is like because it is necessarily the interaction you have with a specific in, in, in person you know i was talking to someone who'd um was trans had cancer and the doctor was a brilliant um the cancer wards were brilliant the cancer nurses were astonishing but the cancer specialist was appalling and mm. misgendered them all the way through but everybody else was brilliant and then it it comes back to you know how you educate people and you know for the long haul well, it's one of those it, things isn't it it definitely is um let's not forget that virtually hardly any of our clinicians have had any ed education in trans healthcare or even you know, even trans inclusion or understanding um, our lives, you know, um, they haven't. Um, it, that's why we're delivering it. You know, um, I'm currently part of my job, deliver training, and I've been delivering some sessions to student nurses in, 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 in our area. And it'll hopefully in the future, our clinicians um, throughout the NHS will be more, um, themselves will have some better understanding, at least the starting point, yes. you know. Um, so it's a long process because we're trying to we start from a base of zero, really. So yes, well, well, today we're going to talk about some interesting areas. And people, before we get onto trans health, a little bit we talked about last week was sort of the broader health issues. And so um, I was minded in my transcript this week that we we had a visit from the sexual health people, and um, 
I'm on hormones, actually, really candid. The idea of this, this is just horrendous. <laughs> but um, it's actually something to worth bearing in mind that, um, again, it's one of those things that we have to look after ourselves on. And it seems so basic, it seems so commonsensical, but actually there have been massive advances in the fields of sexual health over the last 10, 15 years, both from the provision of PrEP and HIV yes. treatments and such like. And it's it's worth getting over this sort of thing because if you're going to into involve yourself in any sort of um sexual activity, it it's 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 worth remembering your intrinsic biology, but also how you present and making sure that you're looking after yourself thoroughly, making sure you take precautions, making sure that actually that if you make mistakes, that you're able to deal with those and get the right medical sort of treatment. And that's is applies to you as if you're trans mask as well, because if you have some sort of issues, of you know, that could that can you know, you've got to look after your physiology there. So I think it's it's it seems a silly place to start, because it may be a bit trivial. I don't mean it to be, but it's it did strike me that having had that conversation, it was interesting how how little knowledge there was about sexual health in the room. And I don't know whether it's a generational thing, but actually there's quite a lot of confusion about the different sexual health um conditions what how they present what you do how it works and there's a and the national health service i would say was pretty justifiably famous for brilliant they used to be called gum clinics didn't they Gen yeah. genetical urinary medical yeah. labs or whatever and i would say um it's interesting because we went on a visit up here it's probably the most enlightened part of the NHS have come across. Really brilliant, really interesting, really courteous, really understanding the whole trans physiology thing. Because because they, I suppose, they see more people, they see more sex workers, they see more gay people, they see more people who are trans coming in and out. Because of course, they see more people generally on a very more frequent basis around around these sort of health issues. Because they've been people are approaching them confidentially, and they they're used to running it confidentially, really candid service without needing to know all your background so i i've been quite impressed with it i've been quite impressed with the service but also it's really shaken me up to understand how little knowledge there is and how many people are out there roaming about taking really unnecessary risks and people i mean i keep saying this you've got to look after yourself because in this world no one else is going to look after you and you really have to look after yourself put yourself care first and if you're indulging in even relatively tame sexual processes and you know practices just just be careful out there well i mean that's always good advice to be careful but it's a really good point about sexual health services i in in my job within the nhs i've worked with sexual health services and um um particularly in north staffordshire and they've absolutely right um because they've been closer to the lgbt um um q plus community than any nhs services you know you see them at pride events yeah. you know they're out there spreading that word so they have been closer so i you know it's one group of staff when i when i meet and, and talk to have a feels to me they have a great understanding than other areas in the nhs so and it, it isn't anything particularly um people think about you know and yeah. uh you know um it wasn't anything i thought about when i transitioned so um yeah, that's really interesting. That that's that there was experience there that, and it may be a generational thing, but it just also may be a. It depends on services in your area. I mean, these are services that are easily cut when money is difficult. Yeah. And public health prevention services, um, are, are parts of the NHS have been um, more easily cut over the last uh, decade. So uh, again, as we talked before, it can be very patchy. Yeah. I'm not sure in rural rural area, for instance, whether mm. you're going to have much, so much access than you are in a in a city 
but it's Stoke, like Newcastle. You know? But it's worth knowing now that you could actually, because of the way the NHS is funded and privatised, such like you can go to a place like Superdrug and and Boots, and you can go to chemists and actually get mm. chlamydia tests. And youngsters up to I think the age of twenty five, or maybe twenty one to twenty five, something like that, can get free testing and such like. So they, it's it's really well thought through because the you know we've recognised that. Catching someone like syphilis at an early age has really unfortunate consequences for the rest of your life. So you really need, if you think you've got something, just go and get tested. If you think you've caught something, you've had a difficult encounter. If it's been a, it's been, if it's been, you know, just something a little bit wilder than you were expecting or wanted, or if it's something that you enjoyed but you're in the slightest bit suspicious, just go and get yourself checked out. It's really worth it. Mm-hmm. And as I say, you know, superdrug. I mean, who knew? Um, I didn't until now. Yeah, there you are. And actually, you can go along to your local, you can go onto the your local GUM clinic, uh, sexual health services, and they can send you a complete kit through the post for free. Oh, wow. Would you, who'd you, who'd have thought? All that money, no, yeah. yeah, exactly. I work in the NHS and I wasn't aware yeah. of that. So. I'll show you my kit because I was so excited to get one. I did take one, then I took it back and said, actually, do you know what? I think somebody else is more deserving of me <laughs> than there. Uh, but there you go. So... Um, there's where we start today on the sort of common things. Well, and, and you know, it's 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 a feature of normal health that, you know, we're, we're going to have hearts, we have livers, we have fall over, we break our legs, we do those sorts of things. You know, that's not a feature of being trans, so we're not going to particularly pick those things up. Um, but let's talk about the, the thing that often consumes the interest of lots of trans people, and that's hormones. And um, often the thing that people focus on first in their journey often something that people obsess fixate you about sometimes that's the reason they're going to doctors because they want hormones often they they think they're going to fix them fix them as if there's something wrong and and i think it's it's worth just sort of getting a background in terms of hormones and any sort of broad observations you've got to make about them jen and your own experience before i delve in yeah it's it's, it's interesting you know it was definitely important to me as i think i said in the previous podcast it, it wasn't going to stopped me living as a woman whether I, got, I was able to get access to hormone therapy or not but i did and it did have some significant um, effects and i think moreover than the obvious physical ones in terms of you know for me as a, a trans woman you know developing breasts softer skin etc um also mentally i i started to feel more together you know, once I started to take up, it's, it's intangible, but um, and then whether that's just me feeling better about my body made me feel better in terms of my body and mind. I think that's um, really interesting. Um, I mean, it's really, I always find it interesting that there doesn't seem to be one um, standard sort of HRT, and I don't know quite how, how it's decided. I mean, I, I basically, my, my therapy wasn't uh, at the time any. Um, testosterone blockers but just having a really high dose of of estrogen you know yeah. just what um every woman who gets it prescribed it on the menopause would have but just on a whacking dose that then suppresses my testosterone that's how it sort of worked and initially was prescribed for me i mean things have changed since then um and it had all those i mean it, it takes time and you have these expectations it's going to change you in 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 a couple of weeks it's not it does take time and, uh, and my understanding is the younger they are when you have hrt uh the more effects it can um possibly has it have is my 
is my understanding. I remember the the only the only side effect I have, and I don't know why this is. Well, there's two side effects I noticed on on HRT for me. Is my fingernails became more brittle, forever tearing my fingernails. I've no idea why that is. I'm not heard anybody else said that, but it definitely happened at the same time. And the other thing, which is weird, is my hands and feet get colder in the winter. Right. Which I understand that that women, you know, do uh, you know, all women there um, because something to do with if you're cold that the you know, your blood comes back into your vital organs or something. So my hands and feet were noticeably colder in the winter. Those are, I mean, nothing, these aren't terrible side effects, and that's the only side side effects I had on HT. It really, it really suited me. Uh, made me feel. I, I think particularly the changes um, how I felt about myself. Um, you know, my body was that, that was really so I can see how important it is and, and how tragic it is that people have to wait and how, you know, I wish that GPs could prescribe directly. And that's what we would like to do, you know, bridging prescriptions, maybe until they get to a clinic or because these are just these are, uh, you know, particularly for estrogen. I think I, I, for trans men, I think there may be some more side effects to testosterone because I think. Uh, you know, I, I think men who take testosterone, you know, for bodybuilders and things can have some significant side effects. So mm. I'm not an expert and we maybe need to invite a, a trans man to a, a, a future podcast to talk about that. because I wouldn't want to talk about experience I haven't had. Yes. Uh, but certainly my experience on hormones was great in that respect. Um, I can't think of any, any, any bad side effect. It doesn't solve everything. It doesn't um, change my voice. You've mentioned you mentioned I did get I did get referred to um, um, speech therapy and uh, the failings were all mine. I just couldn't concentrate enough. It wasn't that the, the therapy wasn't good. It was just my uh, mm. my lack of concentration and, and ability to do the exercises weren't so great. So uh, that that's sort of my own failing. But yeah, no, um, HSP is really important for me, and I know it is for a lot of people. Yes. for a lot of people they need that help before they can step outside to face the world a little bit you know yes it's a, it can be a barrier to transition if you're not able to get on hormones and sadly far too many people have to go on the internet and get them which is just not what should we should do it in a modern healthcare no. system is getting them off off the internet so looking at the trans mask side of things what's what's very interesting about this is that testosterone is a ferociously effective hormone and mm. And you'll notice this, and and anybody who's run into a trans mask person within a very short period of time, they'll notice facial hair potentially, and um, they'll they'll see instantaneous effects from testosterone, where it often takes estrogen a lot longer, and that, and that's often because, of course, what estrogen is doing is attempting to negate the amount of testosterone in our natural systems, and then. And then impose itself right. as you know, it's trying to almost trying to win a war, isn't it? It's trying to and it's trying to beat something. It's pretty powerful. So and you see the effects of this the other way around. So we basically trans man. I, I think I was talking to someone who had quite significant facial hair after four four or five months, and um, and then of course then the challenge becomes for um, trans man and medical side sense is the top surgery. So are they the dealing with um, pre existing breasts or? that sort of tissue because of course with with both sets of hormones it's possible that the fat content on your body moves around people say if i take uh, testosterone will i grow um and the thing is basically if you've reached a certain age just you're not going to get a growth spurt in your 40s if you suddenly decide to start taking testosterone but your your body will may change shape you know the fat content moves around and so you'll often find that um 
muscle tone will change as well, just as you say, because people use things like testosterone to to affect their muscle mass and such like. Mm-hmm. So you'll and you often find out that there's a natural way that the muscles are formed in um, cis women, which is different to cis men, and so trans women will find a weakening of muscles in their bodies. You know, and then, definitely and then, did, and then often find fat relocation both in their faces yeah. but in their body and such like and and the, and the thing you'll often notice most frequently of all is the effect of your metabolism so um it's it's quite interesting what that the research shows that if you're on testosterone you lose you can lose weight pretty fast and that if you're going on it you'll lose weight even faster so you can build much harder muscle much more effective muscle and the reverse is true so you'll often find that if you're going on estrogen you may start putting on weight but it's also harder to get rid of it because the metabolism works differently and 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 it can affect the way that your bowel processes as well so so you, you know you've got all this to look forward to so um physiologically those two um primal hormones are things that fundamentally affect how we're going to to work now if you go to a doctor they'll often blend in other drugs they might especially in the states they use what's called an anti-androgen now we don't yeah. use that so mm-hmm. much over here but finasterides virally yeah. and all those sorts of things there's a there's a there's a big body of opinion now who are moving away from those and saying not to take those now we're not giving any form of medical advice here at all know. you do your own research you go and see a doctor, you go and see a private medical practitioner, you have a proper assessment. But there is a lot of very good informed informed research that's available online. There are a lot of good supported transgender groups out there who can help give you factual information about the way that hormones work and about what's going on. And there are some very well, well, established trans doctors who've actually gone and done some good research on this. I'm not going to give you names because it's your own responsibility to go out there and find it. And I don't want to, by any stretch, um, give a a recommendation by mistake, because that's not what I'm attempting to do here. But I think the thing is to get informed. The, the, The thing that a lot of trans women talk about and trans men as well is that it's this sort of mental effect. Trans women often talk about this emotional response that you know there's often this thing about being more in touch with their feelings more likely to cry and i certainly notice the um two things which are like a sort of emotional control i feel so much better on them and i've got no effect on my body um but my god my just i just feel different in my head and i've no idea why and i just think it just somehow it lifts it lifts you in a way it pushes you in touch with that side of yourself which you know is inside it sort of brings it brings your inner self to the fore a little bit more. It allows you to express yourself more. And it allows you just to, I mean, there are unfortunate amounts of crying going on from time to time, but, um, okay. you know, initially that's going to happen. But, you know, that's part of the joy of what we're doing here is is to is to be able to emote and, and live our lives in the world um, without, you know, as ourselves. And that's what it's about. And the reverse often applies, uh, as I understand trans mass people, they sort of, they can feel a bit more powerful, a bit more control, a bit more assertive. And that's why the need sometimes for binders, for top surgery, for trans um, mask people is, is, is pretty important um, because it's so much more obvious. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing, especially as trans, often trans mask people are somewhat shorter than you know it's, it's interesting in my own trans group that all the women are eight foot three and all the uh all the men are quite short with beards and um you know we, we all laugh about it because actually it's uh and it's, it's sort of be a, 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 a an age thing as well but it's 
it's nice in our community to be able to sort of, you know, to, to meet up and see the differences and, and to be able to recognize people's different stages and the journeys. This is the beauty of being able to belong to some sort of a group. So hormones are things that are great. One of the key things to do, though, is to avoid self-medicating. And that I, I hear stories of people, I've been on hormones for two years and I've never had a blood test. And all you're doing is you're running a risk of a blood clot heart disease and and it's however difficult it is for you to face the nhs or to face or however difficult it is to earn money to be able to go see a private doctor you are running a risk taking hormones without adequate medical supervision so all i can say to you is please 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 um make sure that you have some sort of medical oversight now one of the organizations that we're involved with um, uh, are starting to pull together a sort of a, a blood monitoring service for trans people. So it you don't always have to go to the National Health Service. Sometimes you can go and you can produce the um, bloods you need for hormone treatment and so you can get their medical care somewhere. But however you do it, however it works, don't run the risk. There's nothing worse than, you know, having a wonderful time transitioning and you're 28 and then you have a blood clot and you have a stroke I, 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 don't take I, that I, risk please i would agree with you but but the but is private medicine is expensive i agree i agree and if you're not getting health care there's a risk for people who trans people if they're not able to to get the help so i can entirely understand why people why somebody would um would take the steps to self-medicate I think you're absolutely right. The fix for that is to fix GPs and fi fix the NHS because your, your advice is 100% correct. But also, that's not going to change while people are, you know, are desperate. They're desperate right. to get the help they need. And if that's not there, you know, risk is way up the risk. What's the way up the risk of you not being able to? For some people, that risk is, is yeah. also significant. Um, for them not to be able to get the help they need. I, I, I never considered self-medicating, um, but when I transitioned, if I didn't get help from the NHS and there was a chance, the NHS wouldn't fund it. I had to make a case. I would have just carried on living my life. It would have just made life a little bit harder. Um, that was me, but I'm not everybody. Um, you know, there are different things that are important to different people. You're absolutely right. This needs to be done on supervision, but the NHS and our services need to, need to, to make make that available to be to, to happen and there needs to be resources for 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 people whether i i don't know whether there's um how, how people can get funding to go private if they can't afford it if you're unemployed there are a lot there are charities you're more likely to be unemployed if you're trans you're quite likely to be unemployed yes. compared to cisgender population but there's a lot of charities that can help and the one that we're interested in beyond elections will help as well They'll help with yeah. cancelling and um, increasingly they're going to look at things like this, most of my understanding. But there are there are places you can go. There are yeah. the, the thing is, all I'm saying, and I'm, I we all understand the reasons why. And and I understand the reasons why people take the most peculiar uh, potions on Amazon, you know, which aren't hormones, but there's some strange supposed yes. vitamin cocktail that grows blood breasts, you know, at the rate of knots and all that sort of stuff. Everybody understands, everybody understands the need, the burning, the, the yearning, the huge need to do it. But you also, and, and you are right, it's about weighing up the risk. But, you know, I don't, to be argumentative, I don't think the, I don't think the NHS fully understands how vital it is, else somebody somewhere would be putting resources in. So the waiting list wouldn't be so long. Yeah, uh, I can't think of any other, any, any other NHS that quite have waiting lists quite as long as, 
uh, some gender identity clinics. Yes. Um, and that and that's ultimately the problem. It's not been invested in, in, in and the government are saying they're going to invest in more gender identity clinics, and, and we'll see. But at yeah, the, the moment, irony is, you see, Jen, this is the problem. The irony has become it's become incredibly easy now to get quite low cost estrogen and very low cost testosterone. Yeah. It's very yeah. easy to get it cheaply now because of the recent changes in the the way that. Um, it's sourced and paid for and such yeah. like with, with cis women. It's very easy, but the, the the monitoring regime is tricky. Now, even if you have to go to your doctor and just ask them, sometimes you can actually um, go to your doctor and actually rather than paying privately, which is very expensive, you can go to your doctor and you can do like if, like you used to do with travel injections and things like that. And they, they will they will give you a private injection, but the cost of it is really, really low compared to... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to a, a, a provider, but look out at the charities, have a look in the charities because, because the charities are all looking at this because everybody understands that there needs to be some, some work done there. No, 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 no that's definitely good advice. And, you know, um, and we're, we're close to one particular charity and, um, you know, beyond reflections, we talked about that with, um, you know, one of the um, supporters of this post- podcast is that charity. And, uh, and and you made the thing you made the point about um, finding a community and, and trying not to be. It's difficult because many of us are isolated and alone as trans people. We're a, a, the diaspora. With you know, many of us don't know anybody else in day to day life. I don't know anybody else in Stoke on Trent. I walk out my door that I meet that's trans. So finding support groups. I know you've you belong to a really good support group. Is that is that right, Jill? Um, you know, um, I back in the day I used to attend a couple, one in Derby, and they were a great help at the time. But I think they've become few and far between as the communities sort of drifted online. Um, ne- inevitably, I think. Um, so 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 those physical, but but finding. You know, um, people that you can relate to and talk to on this is a real, real help. Yeah. Because isolation, you know, when you're struggling, being isolated, and if your family's not supportive and things like that, um, you know, that just makes recovery and that just makes um, good well-being so much more difficult. Yes. So, so that's uh, and, and I and I agree with that. So let's 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 look at some of the, some of the other issues. And 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 one of the things I, I just think is really important here is that you do your research. I mean, that's the thing yeah. is to do your research. Don't believe everybody. So we're going to talk about you know the big the big trans healthcare things, the big operations. They start with things like throat shapes for um, trans women, there for trans men. There's top surgery. There's uh, bottom surgery, obviously, and false uh, penis. I would just uh, think if we've got anybody listening who's not for community, bottom surgery isn't surgery on your bottom. No, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> when I first heard the term bottom surgery, I thought, I mean, don't you bottom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, <laughs> it's the polite, the euphemistic term, isn't so it? So we Just mean the very... uh, top surgery is our chest or breasts and the bottom yeah. surgery is our genitalia. Exactly. Simple right. way of putting that. And, um, and, I, and I think the thing is, you know, you, you, you talk, trans men talk to trans men, uh, trans mask people, and they, there, is, there are big communities out there. Go, go and join those communities. Go and look on every single uh, surgeon's websites. Have a look. Understand what they're doing. Understand what they're about. Understand their methodology. If you can, go and talk to them. Um, on the whole, when you're going through the service and you're actually talking to consultants, they're very happy to talk because they want an informed patient on the whole. Mm. They want an informed patient because informed patients are usually better behaved. And um, and that's the sort of system. And, of course, for trans fen people, we have the throat shaves. We have breast and uh, augmentation we have facial surgery we have um gender it's interesting that the, the rise of facial feminization surgery which yeah. 
I think when I transitioned, wasn't really the thing that was talked about or no, used much. Massive now. It, it certainly is, and and I can see why that can be so important. Yeah. Because that, not that any surgery is important, making your body feel whole, but when you're out presenting to the world, you know, um, that can really help if you are not confident in how you present to the world. Yes. You know. And I think, and I think it's it's that thing, isn't it, about. There are some people who are fortunate and they have some money and they can go and do some. Sometimes they inherit money and they and they put the money towards these things. But for some people, they um, they don't do the gender change. They but they do what they do is the facial feminization or the facial facial masculinization. I can't say masculinization. I can. And um, they do that. They do the um, the uh, hair transplants and things like that because they're more concerned about the hair and so they can stop wearing wigs some people like to have a facelift and they don't bother with anything else and and the thing is there's no right situation what you need to figure out is two things what's right for you absolutely but, agree and then absolutely and not agree. be pressured into thinking that you have to have treatments because there's a brilliant program on television called botched i don't know if you've come across it i like um, i mean i find plastic surgery quite interesting and they talk about how People can get addicted to surgeries. And I've met a few trans people who've become, all right, I've got this. Now what I'm going to is, now I want this. And it's like, can't you just settle down and be, oh, why don't you think about being just satisfied with what you have for a little while? But it's, no, I've got to have the next badge. Everybody says I've got to have this bit next. And so sometimes people can feel the societal pressure of being perfect rather than just being yourself. That's really interesting. I mean, I've never come across any pressure I mean, I, I guess, you know, where I am in, in, in my transition and the community, I've never come across any pressure of people saying, you know, you're not, maybe it's because it wasn't automatically funded back then and there wasn't, or uh, there wasn't, it wasn't a care path and it was so easy, but I've never seen any pressure on that. I mean, any surgery is, is significant, uh, you know, and particularly uh, bottom surgery is, is significant surgery and, you know, will take some time to recover you know and you know um is, you know is so I, I i think it's exactly as you said it's up to every individual what is appropriate and needed what they think is necessary for them um you're right i mean i, I think you know having surgery i don't know i mean i'm not going to criticize anybody for having whatever they feel is needed right be that as you suggest maybe um um just constantly looking for the next uh next bit to happen but um that that's not my that's not my own personal experience i had done what i needed to have done to make me happy yeah um and, that's the and key. That some you know and that has been some time ago now and uh um you know that i, I i'm no longer thinking about my trans health care in other other than continuing on the hormones which i need to for the rest of my life that's the only yes. plan i've got for my health care around um a, you know gender affirming health care in terms of uh, yeah. uh, me as a woman um you know so um i think it is about individuals and there should be no hierarchy on this there should be no you know there's um sort of transmedicalization on this you, you are valid whoever you wish to be and whoever whatever surgery you feel is appropriate for you that is not what defines us yeah. that's you know what defines us is who we are individually you know uh, the gen when we talk about gender itself that is you know it's a social construct is how we present to the world and how we present to society so um yeah there can be pressure 
on that. And I'd hate to think that trans people are under pressure to have surgery because in some way they feel that the only thing that makes them valid because it isn't. Yeah. And that's what worries me about some of the language where politicians will talk about male bodied trans women or, you know, and they'll talk about that. That can only be toxic in terms of the impact it has on individuals because yeah. that's not why you know that's not why you should be having surgery because you know some politician says you should have yeah. surgery and, and one of the things to bear in mind here is that the word transition in itself is a is a continuum of activity and some people see that that somehow that transition is the point of life that somehow that you get to somewhere and then that's it you're, 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 yeah. you're fixed but transition's part of life it's only part of your overall life um and I think um, sometimes, you know, people can get that bit out of balance. And I think when we talk about mental health in our next episode, we'll maybe come back to some of these sorts of things. Mm. But um, the last thing I wanted just to talk about was a little bit around the, the tiny bits of medical that we haven't touched on, which was the sort of aesthetic sides of things, which are things like laser treatments and removal of facial hair and such like, or um, people like, there are some people in the world who are partial to a bit of Botox. Now, not me. But a lot of youngsters apparently think that Botox is a really good thing. Now, I, as you know, I have a face for radio. So um, <laughs> I've always said that and there'd be no amount of Botox that would sort things out. But again, it goes back to what you feel comfortable with and actually seeing the medical side and the healthcare side as being about self-care and, and about self-determination and about part of your self-acceptance. It's not about defining you. And the last thing I want to say on this subject is this. When I first looked at this process, I forget the name of the person who was in charge of healthcare at the time. He's, I forget his name. He's the person that invented the sort of concept of trans healthcare back in the, back in the day. And we had to had do what we call the two-year real-life test. We were yeah. diagnosed, and what you had to do was to put to dress in the, in the outward appearance of the other gender and you had to go into the world. And the idea of it was that if you could cope for two years, then you'd earn the right to have the, the medical side. It was, a, it was quite a cruel thing, but it did sort out quite a lot of different things. And, and I was talking to a trans woman quite recently who said to, me, said to me, I was absolutely fine. And going through that process, I, I realized who I was and I realized all those things and I realized I didn't need the surgery. Because, and I think sometimes, you know, especially when you're younger and you're in the Instagram crowd and you're looking at pictures all the time and all that sort of stuff, there's a pressure on youngsters to to conform to to um, to to be somebody else's image of themselves. And I think it's it's important as trans people to to make sure that we're really grounded in who we are and we're really grounded in the sense that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's enough. I, it's enough to know it in your head. As to start, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, I don't like the idea of a real life test. I mean, it's it awful. Uh, well, I remember it myself. You know, yeah. um, um, that you know, I wouldn't be considered until I'd done. I'd already been living for six months by the time I saw gender at the clinic. You know, as I said, my attitude was: you're either going to help me or not. You know, real life test starts the moment I, the moment I stepped outside that door. I was living uh, as a woman, and that would be for the rest of my life. Two years is an arbitrary amount of time that makes no difference. I was there's not a kind of hell's chance that that I would ever have changed that decision back. So, what sort of idea of a real life test? Now, some people, you know, are, are on a, you know, the first time we come out is to come out to ourselves, and I get that that bit of it, you know, but um, I, 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 I can't understand that, that idea that, um, 
in any way that for most of us who've probably thought about it every day of our lives, maybe since we were kids, since we were as a child, since I was 10 every single day of my life, that I need to, I needed to do something for two years to prove it was me. You, know, you see, though, just... Jen, it's, it's always good when we disagree, but it's always better when we disagree because we, we, I've obviously made a very bad point. I'm not agreeing with the real no, life no, test no, at no, all. No, 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 it's a bad point. I, I, think, think, I think the point I'm making is that the real life test was forcing people to just go and live their lives. And actually, it, you don't have, you don't need to be defined by surgery. You might want surgery, you might want hormones, but you don't need to be defined by it. You might you might prefer them, you might need them, you might, but you don't have to be, you don't have to be driven down that thing. So it's about finding your own path. And actually, if you end up it, just uh, being yourself without hormones, without without surgery, without anything, that and if that's what you want, then that's good enough for you. But, and but that's also good if you're if you're gender dysphoria if your body dysphoria is so great it's causing you distress but that may different. be that you need that sooner rather right. than later yeah. um I, I get the point certainly for me it wasn't an overwhelming um push um you know as i said you know i took things as they came um my big thing was to be able to live to live and be accepted as a woman and 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 that i think i, I achieved um the healthcare is on top of that. So I, I get your point on that, that there is some, that it isn't the be all and end all. It definitely isn't. There's many trans women who don't, who decide not to have surgery for very valid reasons, you know, very valid, significant surgery requires a great bit of the time. And if it's, you know, if you don't have a sex life and that's not important to you at that time, then that's absolutely valid and, and fine. But also there are people who it is more, more pressing because it depends how strong your, body dysphoria as mine wasn't quite that in some respects it was more mentally in of, of me being comfortable in self and how i presented to the world rather than what was underneath my clothes in some respects that wasn't yeah. the driving force certainly uh, that was resolved through my transition yeah um you know I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna share details of what uh, my healthcare has been but um i think um i think everybody's different on this yeah. um um Yes, you know, any significant surgery, um, particularly bottom surgery, significant surgery needs to, you know, needs to be, uh, you know, care because it, it's, it's significant, significant trauma yeah. to the body. But it, it, as I say, for some people, um, that that needs to happen sooner rather than later for others. Yeah. So, so the thing we're saying is, years, look after yourself. Yeah. Work at the pace that you want to go. Make sure you're grounded in yourself. Do your research really really research absolutely Absolutely. ask every question that you can possibly think of and you know if you're not getting answers you want ask different questions and really Mm. go out your way to find people that have been down that path before you or whatever it might be because they'll they'll have insights and things which are unique to them they may not apply to you but they'll give you some information but you know also just just be grounded in yourself and put self-care first and i think um if you're looking after yourself and you're looking after your own well-being then you know you stand a chance and as you say some people have astonishing body dysphoria and what they are dysmorphia as well and all of those things pull together and so it's about it's about understanding there is a honeycomb of activities that you do and it's about you picking your own path you creating your own little journey because it's about you at the end of the day and there's and there's nobody else can tell you what's right or wrong absolutely now, not absolutely not and that yeah definitely now next time 
it's mental health. And the time after that, we're going to do stuff on relationships. Oh, yeah. oh cranky. La, 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 la. Right. La, la, let me, let me, I'll, tr I'll try and get some relationships squeezed in yeah. before that podcast. I need to have half a dozen. So we may have to put that I'll, off for I'll, at least I'll, a month I'll, now. Uh, I'll get straight onto Tinder. Right. Um, <laughs> see what I can, see what I can do all in the, all in the cause of creating content. That's it. You know, come on, you know, sweat, <laughs> sweat for the art. I, I'll do my best. See you next week. You take care. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transvox. It's been a joy to have you with us. Um, if you want to um, make contact with us, you can contact us at gillian at transvox.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the work we do, please go to Patreon and go to page Transvox. And all of our money goes to our nominated charity. And Jen, you've chosen the charity for the next number of episodes. Which one have you chosen? Our charity is called Beyond Reflections, which is a charity that provides support and counselling to trans people, non-binary people and their friends and their families across the UK. An amazing charity doing some amazing work, really important. So please, if you can give. Great. And if you want to go and have a look at Beyond Reflections, it's beyond-reflections.org.uk. And uh, But as I say, if you'd like to make a contribution to what we're doing, because we love to help the people who help us. Uh, again, if you've got ideas for um, the show, things you'd like to ask us, questions, comments, applause, or um, brickbats, feel free to send it all Absolutely. in to Gillian at transvox.co.uk. Until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye. Yeah.